This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, here we go with Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. <clears throat> hey there. Let's start with the port strike dragging on. We started the show with that today and growing pressure on Justin Trudeau to potentially intervene here, but notably Premier David Eby not calling for intervention, right? No. He's saying he, he wants the talks to continue. So, uh, yeah, so the good news is the two sides met last night until almost midnight. Okay. Uh, not really making that public, but that's good news. Uh, the issue they were really focused on wasn't wages or automation. It's this, I think, what's really at the core of this dispute, which is maintenance work. Who does, there's considerable maintenance work at ports. Uh, it's not just, you know, changing a light bulb. We're talking paving, fixing rail lines, all sorts of things. And right now, for years, the union has performed what's called ship-to-shore maintenance work. They want to expand that to basically uh, all maintenance work goes through their hiring hall. The employer counters that, well, you don't have the skill set to um, to perform some of this ma- <coughs> maintenance work. And the employer, the latest I saw from them, I think it was in a news release, offering to send this to a sort of an arbitration committee yeah, right. <coughs> for, for decision yeah. rather than making the decision at the negotiating table. So the fact that they talked about that last night until the you know late hours of the night is encouraging. Um, yeah, calls <coughs> continue to mount on the federal government to get involved. But it was interesting. No surprise that David Eby and the BC NDP government, which has always taken the position, the best solution here is at the negotiating table. Well, they take table. the union position. Yeah, well, right? get it at the negotiating table rather than government intervention. They take so, the union <coughs> side of it. Yep. The union doesn't want intervention. No, the union does so not want intervention because the, 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 interven- the imposed settlement is never what the union is looking for. Uh, so this is why the union is fighting against any attempt. They, they think the employer is sitting back waiting for, for the feds to intervene with a back-to-work Legislation. I'm told, though, talking to federal people, uh, they're concerned about calling the House back. <clears throat> Not a lot of trust for Pierre Poliev in terms of some of the games that could go on if the House comes back. There's question period. Is it, does it sit longer than just to pass a back-to-work bill? Are okay. other issues going to come to the fore? Okay, I had the Alberta Transportation Minister on this morning. He was calling mm-hmm. for federal intervention. I spoke to the guy from the Pulp and Paper uh, Association. He, they are really worried in the in the, well, pulps, the pulp sector. Pulp is sector. really the ones first affected because you cannot store pulp for, for very long. Right. You've got to move it, and they can't move it. Yeah, so let's listen to David Eby. Here's lots of pressure here. Now, Eby is asked, should the feds intervene? Let's listen. They need to be treated fairly. And our hope is that all parties, the employer, the workers, uh, work hard at the table to get a deal because our ports are critically important infrastructure for all Canadians, not just for British Columbians. Okay, so that's what he's saying for now, but could that tune change if this drags well, on? it would be interesting if it does change. <clears throat> if other premiers, so far I've, we've got Alberta and Saskatchewan governments calling for back-to-work legislation. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see where Ontario and Quebec land on this issue. And if, if suddenly you, and the premiers are meeting today in Winnipeg, just happenstance. Yes. Um, it'll be interesting. I don't think there's going to be a communique coming out of there about the port strike because I don't think you're going to see unanimity uh, on this. I don't think all governments are on the same page as Alberta and Saskatchewan in terms of government intervention. But as this thing drags on, yeah. there's going to be pressure 
big time pressure. And won't take, it won't take long for the pressure to build, too. Like, you well, know, if this drags on through the week. Yeah, and the supply chain, um, this could turn on a dime. And we got no, no evidence of bare shelves right now. Yeah. But that could change very quickly. Good. And if you suddenly see bare shelves, including food, uh, because we get, you know, 600,000 tons of food delivered through the Port of Vancouver every year. If that if food starts to disappear, you're going to see huge pressure on the government to, to move. Okay, let's listen to another clip of EB also speaking yesterday at this Premier's meeting. And he's talking, this is really interesting because we've talked before about the, the very high immigration numbers coming into Canada and the pressures that's putting on infrastructure, including housing. So EB commenting on that uh, yesterday. Let's listen. We added about 250,000 people to our province in just the last two years. We need housing for those folks. And it's at the same time that we're challenged around the labour. The cost of materials are going up. Interest rates are going up. It's a very significant challenge for our province, but it's an issue that we're seeing across Canada as well. Your thoughts? Yeah, so the immigration levels are are huge, set by the federal government, upwards of 500,000 new uh, residents a year. Uh, that puts huge pressure on the housing market, which I had a call in last week saying the, the housing market uh, pressures are not going to disappear anytime soon. I don't care. Well, interest rates would have to increase significantly. But when you've got 150,000 people a year, I think EB actually lowballed that 250,000. I think it's closer to 300,000 people the last two years. Um, moving into BC, you've got 150,000 a year, and 95% of those people move into Metro Vancouver, the Capital Region, or the Okanagan. They're not going into Cranbrook or Prince George. These are the three hot housing markets. They're going to remain hot because of this huge population influx, courtesy of the federal government, which is right now why now in Winnipeg today the premiers are talking about last year it was all about getting health care money from, from Ottawa, $46 billion. Now they're going to be targeting Ottawa for housing um, infrastructure, and that means building more housing with federal, with federal dollars, not just uh, provincial or private. Yeah, and the housing starts are nowhere near matching no. the, the numbers of people coming to, to live no, here. No, not at all. Now, there's interesting in Victoria, for example, there's starting, there is starting to be a significant shift in some of the housing starts. There's these huge towers planned for downtown Victoria, which, you know, we've never even envisioned before, uh, 30-story towers in, in downtown uh, Victoria. But that's just reflective of the changing pattern of housing. And now you've got the EB government saying you can build more housing on existing lots. You just don't have to have single family detached homes. Okay, let's talk about the wildfire situation. There was an mm-hmm. update on this yesterday from the province. Uh, Bowen Ma, the Minister of Emergency Management. Let's listen to what she had to say yesterday. There have been more than 23,000 lightning strikes in total. This lightning activity was compounded by ongoing drought conditions and high temperatures. We are anticipating continued extreme fire behavior, and all of us need to do our part to prevent the situation from becoming any worse. Okay, this is not good. Oh, no. Some of the pictures we had on Global News Hour last night, just absolutely stunning, the huge uh, fires that are out there. Thank goodness none of them seem to be interface fires yet, which Mm -hmm. are ones that threaten communities. These are still kind of remote, but... um, Boy, uh, we're already well more than way ahead of schedule in terms of fires consumed. We go back to 2017, one of the worst years ever. We're already ahead of that pace, and we're still not even halfway through July. So uh, if you're planning a road trip in B.C. this summer in the interior, you better check your the conditions. And fire officials say always have two ways of exiting a place. Uh-huh. One road can get cut off, and if you're trapped, you can't get out. So, again, people really got to think strategically 
if you're planning vacations in BC and some of the remote areas of the province. Let's finish up with the, the on dragging on fight over policing in the city of Surrey. Now this one's turned into kind of a social media firefight here now between the Surrey Police Service and Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke. So mm-hmm. they've both got these competing sort of social media campaigns. And, of course, Brenda Locke wants the RCMP to remain in Surrey. Let's listen to Ryan Burig here on social media. This is his video and calling out the mayor here, uh, saying that his people in the Surrey Police Service, they do not want to go back to the RCMP. Let's listen. Our members wanted their voices heard and in less than 36 hours provided over 100 comments to share directly with the public. Over the next hour, while councillors are in their meeting, you'll hear about RCMP chronic short staffing, a toxic work environment, and a lack of accountability. These are the real experiences of our members, and the public needs to hear them. Okay, he says that's why they don't want to go back to the RCMP. Yeah, he referred to a toxic workplace, which is interesting. And that's one of the knocks against the RCMP, the culture. You remember the inquiry into the mass shootings in Nova Scotia, blasted the RCMP for their workplace culture. It, it seems that the the announcement or the decision is likely going to be next week. I'm betting. Oh, really? I'm hoping oh. um, that this uncertainty ends. But we've the got decision this, from the province, from the province, from Farnworth, from Farnworth okay. and, and the cabinet. Okay. Um, but you've got you've got Brenda Locke posting videos on Twitter. Yeah. You got Brenda Locke writing letters, a letter to all the mayors, yeah. saying mm-hmm. we're all going to pay if we go to Surrey Police Service because they're just going to take um, police officers from your municipality. And now you've got the social media counterpoint from the Surrey Police Unit. So it's, it's a bit of Peyton Place, but hopefully this thing ends sooner than later. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, I got open phone lines right now. I got a few open lines, so if you phone in, you're going to get through. 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Jim in West Vancouver. Hi, Jim. Hey, Jim, can you hear me? Hi there, guys. Thanks for having me. Sorry, yeah. sorry, I'm sitting there. Uh, yeah, so as far as support workers go, uh, I, what is it? They make 135000 on average. Median. Uh, yeah, 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 median, which is, which is a pretty high number considering, I mean, it's yeah. probably the livable, livable wage as far as things go nowadays, but when the rest of Canada is suffering, I, I'm not sure that is a correct uh, move to make. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, that, that's the only bargaining move they have, but... Uh, it's 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 going to hurt if this goes on long term. So yeah, and you know, it's thank you for the call. And you know, these things often turn into a battle not only between employers and, and employees, but also for the opinion of the, of the general public. Mm-hmm. So there's a public relation war that goes on well, as well. I think that- and I I just wonder if a lot of how many people will start siding with these workers if this drags on, and if they say, well, wait a sec, these guys are making six figures already. Yeah. So Hang the, on. the base rate is more than slightly more than forty five dollars an hour, which is if you work full time, hundred thousand yeah. dollars a year. The median wage, which is the same number of people are below this number as above the number, is one hundred thirty six thousand according to the employer, and the union has not refuted that. Now, the union's counterpoint is, wait a minute, there's lots of people in the hiring hall that only get one or two shifts a week. You know, it takes years to build up But they're part-time. Yeah, they're part-time. It takes a long time to build up enough seniority 
to get full-time work. Now, hovering over this dispute is the fact the same union, but the American version, on the West Coast of the United States, Seattle, Long, Long Beach, Los Angeles, and such, just settled a six-year contract for a 32% wage hike. Whoa. And has access to a $70 million bonus fund for bonuses for work uh, performed during the pandemic. So that's another little issue crowding the plate in the talks here in, in the B.C. Let's go to Michael in Coquitlam. Hi, Michael. Hello, uh, Mike Smith. Uh, you had mentioned the question about immigration. I just wanted to say I noticed from statistics that immigration has vastly increased in the past two years. I don't really understand why. It's outpaced uh, our ability to build housing. I really do believe for that reason that immigration needs to be reduced dramatically. Yeah, Thanks, so the federal, federal government made a conscious decision a few years ago to greatly increase the number of immigrants coming to the country, ostensibly to fix a worker skill shortage. That w- these, are, these are people, many people coming in with, with skills uh, right. to perform, not just construction. Uh, the premiers today are in Winnipeg. One of the issues on the table is to bring in more foreign-trained health professionals, sure. bring yeah. them in and expedite their ability to... Uh, access and start working in the system very quickly. So that's just one angle of the immigration uh, situation. But the premiers are also going to be arguing, wait a minute, you've, you've flood 500,000 people into the country. A lot of them are skilled workers, and they bring with them families. They need a place to live. Where are they going to live? Uh, start building some housing. The other reason the feds are doing this is the demographic bubble that we're in. So, you know, the, the federal government has said we need more people working to support people who are retired because it used to be like seven to one or something. Like mm-hmm. there were seven people working for every retiree. Well, now the boomer generation. Now that rate, yeah, the, all the boomers are, are retiring and the gen, that ratio is, has gotten much smaller. So now it's like three workers for every retiree or something. So the feds are saying, look, we need more people here to paying taxes so we can continue to exactly. fund these, these social services. Exactly. It's an interesting balancing act. But yeah. what, what comes with that is the need for the infrastructure to be built to accommodate this right. huge population increase. And that includes housing and other forms of infrastructure yeah, as well. schools, yep. hospitals. Howard in the West End. Hi, Howard. Go ahead. Oh, hi. Thanks, um, Mike and Keith. I just had a quick question. Why is it that uh, Quebec can limit the number of immigrants that they have coming into their province and yet uh, B.C. can't? It's sort of it's like carte blanche. Everybody seems to want to come here instead. Thank you. Yeah, Quebec's immigration has always been outside of the rest of the country in terms of uh, historically and constitutionally. Um, People come to B.C., yeah, people come to B.C. in greater number than, say, go to Saskatchewan. Um, But Saskatchewan's getting a a lift in immigration as well. But again, we're getting 150,000 people, new residents a year, most of them international, and again, uh, locating in Metro Vancouver, the Okanagan, and the Capital Region. So those three areas, housing markets, are going to continue to be very, very hot. The federal government has also said that they want to direct these new arrivals into the areas of Canada where they're most badly needed for the workforce. Now, I don't know how they how they do that with mobility rights in the country yeah, and how I'm, that works. I'm not sure how that's going to yeah, So uh, this is why out. I want to get the immigration minister on the show, and I, I continue to try and get him on, Sean Fraser. I've been corresponding with his office here it's, now it's for a, a couple of weeks. It's an increasingly big issue. Yeah, you know? I agree. I really want the minister on here. Mary in Richmond. Hi, Mary. Hi, let me just shut the radio up. Hi. Hi. I just wondered if um, you guys can ask about Roberts Bank uh, or West Shore Terminals. 
it is the port facility strike affecting the coal mining in Sparwood and Elkford, where those trains are nonstop trains that load in Sparwood or Elk Valley, Elkford, because I'm from there, so I know. It's a good question. Uh, yeah, so the coal continues to be shipped through West Shore Terminals, which has a separate agreement. Just like grain continues to be shipped, that's protected under essential services. Uh, the Roberts Bank issue, I think that's where the automation uh, issue is first, front and foremost, where the union is concerned about uh, basically displacement of jobs as they become more automated. As we've seen in other ports, and we've mentioned this on the show before, Long Beach in California, Rotterdam in the Netherlands, heavily automated. That's where a lot of ports are headed. Keith, thanks a lot. Back tomorrow.